Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Brittany. I'm Diana. And this is episode 25. Today we'll be reviewing season four, episodes 15 and 16 of The Walking Dead with the lens of sacrifice. But before we dive in, how are you doing today, Brittany? I'm doing well. I'm alive after my river rafting trip (laughs) with my family. Yay! (laughs) I will admit that I was very scared after the guide gave his safety talk, but he ended it with saying, and if I scared you off, then too bad because the bus already left, so you have to go now. (laughs) So that was a great experience, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. How about you? Um, I am doing great. I, oh yes, I had my improv performance. I don't remember what happened this week. Yes, it was great. We had a great time. We did a good job. So I'm really proud of all of us. I'm proud of you too. That's really awesome that you've been sticking with this for a long time now. Yeah, I've been through four sessions. So four levels so Yay. so Good it's kind of like our graduation so oh oh my gosh <laughs> now we can move on to bigger and better things <laughs> so cute <laughs> i love it okay let's do our recaps okay season four episode 15 us daryl becomes a part of the marauders and he learns their rules meanwhile glenn and tara go forth to terminus through a tunnel where they get stuck and are almost killed. But Maggie, Bob, and Sasha save them. Eugene, Rosita, and Abraham are also there. They enter Terminus and are offered plates of human. Oh, my God. Season 4, episode 16A. Okay, so much happens in this episode, and yes, this is another one of my favorite ones. Flashbacks of the prison are shown with Herschel advising Rick to put down his gun, to be a father, and step away from being a leader, which he does. In present time, they are ambushed by Joe and his gang, and Joe tells Rick they are going to beat Daryl to death, have the girl, and then the boy, and then they will kill Rick. Dan is attempting to rape Carl, and this sends Rick off the deep end, brutally killing Joe and Dan. Next day, Rick, Michonne, Carl, and Daryl make it to Terminus, a cannibalistic society, only to be corralled like cattle into a boxcar. In the same boxcar is the rest of the group, minus Carol and Beth. Okay, Brittany, where did you see the theme of sacrifice in these episodes? So, Tara shows sacrifice in her journey to help Glenn. I understand that Glenn is laser-focused on finding Maggie, and I totally sympathize with his steadfast determination and how quickly he wants this turnover. However, because of that goal, it clouds his judgment for a bit. His altruism just goes out the door. And yes, Glenn is a good person, but that doesn't mean he's incapable of wrongdoing. This is definitely not my favorite moment of his. I was actually kind of disappointed, especially when Tara shows her blatant fear and anxiety in that tunnel. Yes, Tara was involved with the governor, but... That doesn't mean she needs to suffer for it, especially when she really had no idea what she was jumping into. Do actions have consequences? Sure. But Glenn can't see that Tara is clearly injured and pushing herself over her limits in order to atone for her involvement with Philip. Rosita even points this out, and she says, wow, you're an ass. She will do whatever you say because she thinks she owes you. 
man up, stay here for a few hours, when Glenn heedlessly wants to continue on ignoring Tara's pain. Sometimes it takes an outsider to notice this and to illuminate it. Tara was the one putting the most pressure on herself, though. She was sacrificing her comfort, and she thinks of her pain as disparaging compared to the pain that her group caused Glenn's. And many people do sacrifice their own well-being in order to help others to prove they're reliable or to prove they're worthy, or, or maybe it's just an inherent characteristic of theirs. We worry so much about making up our shortcomings that we fall even shorter when it comes to taking care of ourselves. We don't want people to be upset with us or judge us, and most of the time, what you do is probably viewed as venial to that other person. It doesn't matter. And even if it isn't and you do really screw up, I just really want us all to stop being so damn hard on ourselves. Life is too short. Tara's compunctions really affected her, and she didn't want to seem like a burden to Glenn or interfere with his reunion with Maggie. My point is that even though someone hurts you, it doesn't mean they can't be hurting also. People are complex creatures. <laughs> We're all doing our best. Let's try to show more compassion, especially to ourselves. Be good to yourself. You deserve it and never ever sacrifice your health or well-being. You're right. People <sighs> have to be reminded of that. So very Definitely. good point. Okay, so I want to talk about Glenn and his sacrifice. He is a man on his mission to find his wife. He, Tara, Abraham, Eugene, and Rosita are walking down the tracks and find a message that Maggie left telling him to go to Terminus. Glenn runs with tears in his eyes and excitement in his face, and I am so excited for him. They stop along the way, and Abraham says they should all stop and rest because they haven't slept. And Glenn wants to press on. And even though Tara hurt her ankle, she says she will follow him. Glenn says he will give up his riot gear, which has been his protection from the walkers, if Abraham will agree to keep going. And he does, and they do. When they reach a tunnel, Glenn sees another message from Maggie. But they also hear walkers in the tunnel. Abraham says... They will need to part ways, and Glenn understands, but will keep going because he is determined to find Maggie no matter what the cost. Eugene, Abraham, and Rosita leave, and Glenn and Tara go into the tunnel to face the walkers. Tara and Glenn talk, and she tells him of her guilt with the governor and Herschel's death. Glenn forgives her. They run into walkers blocking their path, but Glenn is not giving up. They go over the rocks and Tara gets stuck in the rocks. She tells Glenn to leave her and to get out before the walkers get him, but he can't. Even though he is so close to Maggie, he can't leave her. In the end, he is willing to sacrifice himself to save Tara. Even though it seems hopeless, he shoots at the walkers trying to get as many as he can with the ammo they have left. Suddenly, they see a light and more shots are fired. As the dust clears, they see that it is Maggie, Sasha, Bob, Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene. Finally, Maggie and Glenn are reunited, and I am so happy for them. Best apocalypse couple ever. I love what Glenn says about Tara as Maggie meets her. He says, I met Tara on the road. Couldn't have made it here without her. Maggie hugs Tara and thanks her. 
and Tara is speechless. Glenn says, she heard what I was doing. She said she had to help me. She's that kind of person. And on another side note, I want to say I didn't like that Maggie burned her picture. So Glenn has been carrying around this picture of Maggie um, since he took it at the prison. And Maggie burns it up saying, you're never going to need this again, because basically she's always going to be there with him. But I'm thinking, oh, my God, to get rid of a picture. I mean, pictures mean so much. And I just, I don't know. I didn't agree with that part of it. She should have taken a picture of him. (laughs) Yeah. Too soon. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) But I will say that when Tara walks away speechless, if I was Maggie, I wouldn't know, like, any context of Tara and Glenn. And I would have been like, why'd she walk away like that? (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. What do you do? She like you? <laughs> if I was going to be like, this is Tara. She's a lesbian. She helped me. She just walks away. I'm like, she have a crush on you? I know, right? <laughs> Why'd she help you so much? <laughs> Why'd she follow you? I thought that was funny. That is funny. I think I thought that too the first time around. Now that you bring that up. It's like, hmm. Oh my gosh. What did you guys do on Okay, Brittany, where else did you see the theme of sacrifice? Well, I saw it, I don't know, I saw it everywhere, but with the flashbacks of Herschel, he clearly sacrificed more than what is seen on the episode. But this reminds me of how Mavericks have really paved the way for the society that is possible now. So with women, with people of color, in all aspects, the workplace, healthcare, social justice, everything we have now has been fought for mm-hmm. with many sacrifices along the way. Just think about that for a second. We've never, ever been handed something just because one person thought we were worth it. It always took a focused, passionate collective to fight for our freedoms. It took allies, time, power, money. Everything we have has laws and procedures connected to it. So when people say they're interested in politics, it really (laughs) perplexes me because every single part of your life is political, whether or not you recognize the systemic constructs within them. The five-day work week was implemented because of the sacrifice of those who once worked longer hours and more days. People like Rosa Parks sacrificed their time, their energy, their lives to fight for African-American rights. And I just appreciate the fact that so much history of sacrifice got us here. And I'm really thankful to be here. Although we have a long way to go, of course, and I am grateful to those who are going to sacrifice in order for my kids and my grandkids to have a better life too. And I hope that I can be one of them in any way that I can. Oh my gosh, so true. I love that, Brittany. (laughs) Thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, so I want to talk about Daryl. He was ready to sacrifice himself for his friends. When the marauders come upon Rick, Michonne, and Carl, they hold them at gunpoint, and Joe is ready to kill Rick after he starts the countdown. Daryl walks up. He says, hold up. Joe says, say your peace, Daryl. And Daryl says, these people, let them go. They are good people. Joe says, no, he strangled Lou to death. Daryl says, you want blood? I get it. 
He puts down his crossbow and says, Take it from me, man. Joe is surprised and says, This man killed our friend and you say he is good people? That is a lie. Joe says, Teach him, fellas. Teach him all the way. Meaning, kill him. It is so evil and so matter of fact. I was so glad that they all ended up dead. Later, when Daryl approaches Rick, who is still in shock, he tells him he knew these were bad people, but didn't realize what they were capable of. Rick says, it's not on you, Daryl. It's not on you. You being back with us now, that means everything. You are my brother. Oh my God, I love this bromance. Rick lost Shane and Daryl lost Merle. So I think this is an important relationship for both of them. They are family now and they are willing to sacrifice for their family. It's very true. Okay, Brittany, what other things did you notice in these episodes? So Herschel mentions that they were at the prison for two months before they started the farming. So maybe they had like, I don't know, another month or two at this prison before shit went sideways with Philip. Guess what this illustrated to me once again? Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. (laughs) How blessed I am. And all of us who have stable housing are. I mean, I was stressed for the past few years because we have been moving ever since April 2016. That's not that long ago, okay? (laughs) with a few transitory places to stay for a month in between of moving to a new apartment. However, the prison was the place Rick's group were able to settle in for the longest amount of time so far. Mm -hmm. That really humbled me, shifted my perspective. Their peace and their homes have been so ephemeral thus far. It also elicits the reminder of those who are homeless and the refugees who come here to seek asylum. I mean, people are quick to reproach them by saying, it's their own fault. They're probably addicts. They did this to themselves. While talking about these refugees and homeless people with such staggering judgment. And I mean, this moment really was something to meditate on for me. What did you notice, Diana? Well, I love the flashbacks with Herschel and Rick. First off, I love flashbacks in general. I think it really adds background to the story that is being told and for me adds emotional depth. So in the flashback, we see the stark difference of where they were and where they are now. At the prison, we see Herschel with his optimistic view of building a functioning community by teaching Rick to put down his gun and farm as an example to his son. He tells him, it's time we started planting. I can't do it myself. And Rick says, I need to go out there. Herschel says, I teach you this and you teach Carl. Mm -hmm. Rick reminds him, they need me. Herschel says, Carl shot that boy. He needs his father to show him the way. Which way will it be? He knows how to shoot a gun. We know that. What's his life going to be? What's yours? All this, I'm just saying everything because I owe you. We all owe you. We can make this better now. Okay, this makes me sad because I miss Herschel and him being a father figure to Rick and the family unit that they had. 
In another flashback, we see Rick teaching Carl about farming, and Herschel is there, and Beth and Judith, and it was so idyllic. They don't have that anymore. This is why I love this show. I am so invested in these characters and their well-being, and when something happens to them, it kills me. FYI, I know it's not real, but that is why I love TV, film, and music, because it affects me. It's real TV, and it's real film, <laughs> and it's real music, and it's real books, and real history. Just because it's not real in this moment right now does not mean it can't affect you. So anyone who tells you anything about that, tell them, come see me, okay? <laughs> one time, uh, what a place I worked at many years ago, um, I was talking to somebody about a show or something, and another person came in, and they're like, what? What? What's happening? And I said, oh, I'm talking about this show. They're like, oh, my God, Diana. They're like, I thought something terrible happened. You were so convincing in your what you were saying that they thought it was, like, happening to, like, a family member or something. Right. I'm like, no, I'm talking about TV. Well, it still happened, like, in it the episode. So. It did. It's <laughs> funny. It is. Okay, so I just want to bring up that Alex and Gareth from Terminus, who I am obviously not fond of, <laughs> were in other shows that I love. So Alex was played by Tate Ellington, and he was in Quantico and played one of my favorite characters of season one. And Gareth, played by Andrew J. West, played Henry Mills in Once Upon a Time, and that's one of my favorite shows. So it's fun to continue seeing actors that I just didn't recognize before. Okay, so I want to mention Eugene's comment to Tara. So, as they approach the tunnel and decide to part ways, Eugene says to Tara and Glenn, You are both nice people, and you are way hot, Tara. <laughs> Tara says, Yeah, I like girls. Mm. Eugene says, Well, I'm well aware of that. Mm. Not! Eugene is such a dork. <laughs> it was he such is. a funny moment. Okay, so we are at our segment of why we love Rick. Brittany, why do you love Rick? I love that he claims the man who is about to rape Carl and kills him. These men were awful, duplicitous creatures, and I'm just so happy that Rick leads them to escape from them. Thank God those men are out of the damn picture. Why do you love Rick, Diana? <laughs> I love my Rambo Rick. He is willing to do whatever he has to to protect his son and the people he loves. The marauders are attacking each of them, and Rick retaliates and kills Joe and the guy who tried to rape Carl. Afterwards, he is covered in blood, shaking and in a daze. He is worried about Carl and what he has seen his father do. Daryl says, what you did last night, anybody would have done that. And Rick says, no, not that. Daryl says, something happened that ain't you. And Rick says, you saw what I did to Tyrese. Not all of it. But that is me. That is why I'm here. And so is Carl. I just want to keep him safe. That is all that matters. This has always been Rick's motivation. And so with Carl's fate in season eight, it is understandable that Andrew Lincoln will hang up his hat on playing Rick in season nine. It really makes me sad, but I do get it. Okay, Brittany, what are you currently watching? 
I watched this Netflix comedy special. It's called Eliza Elder Millennial, and she is on a boat. She's giving the show, which is kind of different, I guess. <laughs> She's in her 30s, so she considers herself an elder millennial. And she's pretty funny, but also eloquent. And she's smart. You can tell she's smart. She brings up the dating world in your 20s and 30s, which is a plethora of madness and confusion. It's nothing recondite, like unknown, like, oh, she has secrets. But it's the same messaging of men and women that we hear so often in these stand-up specials, right? But there's something so refreshing about people acknowledging that certain constructs exist and then laughing about it together. She even brings up consent and reminds the audience that no means no and thinks it's wild that kindergartners know this, but adult men somehow forget. (laughs) It's very relatable as a millennial and Jimmy and I laughed out loud a lot. And a lot of my family members watched this too and they really had a good laugh. So I highly recommend it, even if you're not a millennial. She's just freaking funny. I also watched Orange is the New Black season six. So the inmates at Lickfield are, or Litchfield, I don't freaking know how to say that, (laughs) are separated and they're sent to maximum security. They're all dealing with the aftermath of the riot of season five, which ended with the prison guard's death. So I just really love how the writers incorporate current social and political issues so seamlessly. It always hits home and it really leaves me so moved. I think this is a show that brings up those issues, but doesn't rub it in your face so much and isn't so preachy. It's really great. I also watched the first episode of Rest in Power. It is a docuseries about Trayvon Martin produced by Jay-Z, and this goes over his death and the trial and the proceedings and the aftermath, how it affected Black Lives Matter, and I think this documentary does a poignant job of reminding the American masses that even though news like this is sensational and it sparks debate. These are real people that lost their son. They'll never get him back. It's effing awful. I would say the real one, but we'll get in trouble. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm a big fan of Jay-Z and Beyonce, both for their iconic and what will be timeless art and also their focus on helping to shed light on these everyday stories of black people in America. And people are probably so annoyed that I bring this up every episode. But I think that TV and movies and all media are a zeitgeist, and they're not meant to be thought of only within the fantasy world. Real life sucks sometimes. We can't ignore that. We have to fix this, and, you know, we have to be better. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of the docuseries. I also watched the first episode of Castle Rock. It's a TV show that's based in the world of Stephen King. So it has his entire canon in there. It's like this world of Stephen King. It's crazy. But I only watched one episode, but it's pulled me in. And then for movies, I watched The One Below, or The Ones Below. And this is a British thriller from 2015 with the governor, I mean, David Morrissey, (laughs) as one of the villains. So Fleur Delacour, I mean, Clemence Posey is the main character, uh, Kate, in this story. She is expecting her first child, and her downstairs neighbors are also very invested in creating a family of their own. So Kate has a history of mental illness, though, in her family, and she begins to become paranoid of her downstairs neighbors after a dinner gone wrong. I was pretty devastated by the ending, but kind of felt it was predictable. Have you watched that movie? I have watched that movie, yeah me up. I mean, it messed me up. 
<laughs> made me really mad. <sighs> but whatever. Anyway, I also rewatched Bebe's Kids, and this animated film was made in 1992, so when I was one years old. Um, it was based off of a stand-up routine by Robin Harris, and it's about a black man's first date with a woman at Fun World, derivative of Disneyland. And she brings along her kid, as well as her friend Bebe's three kids, who cause a lot of mischief as they run through the park. So I had this movie on a laser disc when I was young, and I loved it so much. It's a fun movie, though I didn't understand the thematic elements as when I was young. Like, this man is being patted down by the police right as they arrive to Fun World. And then the security guards call the kids deviants and troublemakers, telling them they'll be watching them when all they did was go get a drink of water. So it's just sad that this was made 25 years ago and it's still so irrelevant. Laser disc. You're old, Brittany. I am old. I'm <laughs> aging right. myself. <laughs> like me and my albums. <laughs> so what are you watching, Diana? So I am watching The Real Housewives of Orange County. Tamara, Shannon, and Vicky are mending their friendship as they travel to Mexico and they drink tequila and they counted like 15 plus shots that they had one night and Tamara breaks her foot in the hot tub and I have to say I laughed out loud like three times. They were killing me. It was so funny. Um, I also watched So You Think You Can Dance and we are at the top 10 and I just love watching these dancers. They are so amazing and they had 20 and they knocked it down to 10 and it was hard because I just can't believe how many talented people there are but they really are and um i watched uh, queer eye fab five i watched the decent proposal uh, episode and the beginning of the episode the guys are traveling to their client and they're traveling out of georgia and jonathan says he's nervous every time you know, they drive away from Atlanta. And Anthony says, you mean away from the metropolitan area? He says, I feel fine. And the other guys quickly say, because you don't look gay. True, he's fine. Yeah. And <laughs> Caramo says, hang with the two brown dudes or the long-haired gay Jesus-looking guy and you might feel different. Mm -hmm. Jonathan says, let me put you on our level and then you see how we feel. We will put you in a teeny tiny crop top or in blackface. Anthony says, I might try the crop top. Oh my God, these guys are so great. I love them. They have such great chemistry and are so funny. I love how they connect to the clients they are making over. This episode was so funny and heartwarming. A film buff with no grooming habits and in need of a fashion reboot wants to propose to his girlfriend and the Fab Five help him with that. Jonathan grooms him and the client sa says, I feel confident. And Jonathan's mouth drops open and he is speechless. And then he says, I got chills on my triceps. <laughs> I was <laughs> laughing so hard. It was so funny. Um, for movies, I watched the original Mamma Mia. 
and again because the songs are playing in my head and so while I enjoyed the second movie the first one has a lot of my favorite songs the music really drives the movie and it is hard to deny the actors that bring it to life with Meryl leading the cast when Donna sings the winner takes it all it is so awesome also I really like the choreography and big numbers in the original the townspeople and locals are all included with the cast in several of the numbers and it's infectious and fun I love Mamma Mia the songs and the movie I also watched the bonus material that came with the movie and so much work went into the film. It was great to hear from the producer, the director, the choreographer, the music director, the production design, all along with the cast. They had so much fun. It makes you want to be a part of a production like this. I also just watched Black Panther. Oh, good. Yes. I really like this movie. And what I loved is that it didn't feel like your typical superhero movie. I wasn't sure where it was going because I don't really know the story, but I found that I loved that, not knowing where it was going. Everyone was great, and I loved seeing Michonne. Denai Guerrera? Is that how you say her name? I'm not even sure. I just know her as Michonne. Anyways, I love her wielding her sword. I also thought Letitia Wright was really funny, and I really liked her, too. Thumbs yeah. up for the movie. That's a great movie. Okay, so we are at our segment of And the Award Goes To. So, Brittany, what is your favorite quote, character, or moment in these episodes? My favorite character was Rosita, actually. And I know she isn't the central part of these episodes, but I appreciate her and like her so much more as I rewatch these episodes. She calls people out when they aren't doing the right thing. She calls Glenn out for being impetuous when it comes to Tara's injuries. And she calls Eugene out for being peremptory. It's as if she knows this out-of-character authoritativeness is a shield for his own irrelevance. And also just being Eugene. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to be deceived by him. Rosita can smell the bullshit and isn't afraid to let him or Abraham know. And I feel like if I was any character in this show, I might be her because Mm -hmm. she speaks her truth and she gives no shits. Mm -hmm. Go Rosita. (laughs) (laughs) What was your favorite quote character or moment? So mine was a quote by Carl. So Carl asks, what are we going to tell them? Meaning to the people of Terminus. And Michonne asks him to clarify. And he says, you know, do we tell them everything we have done? Are we going to tell them the truth? Rick says, we will tell them who we are. Carl says, how do we say that? Who are we? Wow, that is a loaded question and the true theme for this episode. At one point, Carl tells Michonne he is a monster, which is heartbreaking to me that he feels this way. You have all these thoughts of what you might do to another person just to survive. He is in his formative years, which makes it even harder for him to balance his emotional self. If only Carl knew then what we know about him now. He would be so proud. 
that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in and we hope something we said today resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday. Next show will be on season five, episodes one and two. You can find our blog listed in our show notes. See you next time. Bye.